Amen. I'm going to go to a portion of Scripture that's been preached on many times in Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. And the Lord uh, gave this portion of Scripture to me in a very, very different way. Um, This all really began, this message began with a dream I had a few nights ago. And I, I don't dream too often. Um, and when I do, they're usually goofy dreams. Um, like dreaming that you're skydiving when the rapture happens. Things like that. That's what I usually dream about. Um, but a few nights ago, I had, I had a very, very vivid dream. And I, I'm not going to go into all the details of it. We'd be here forever. But more or less... We were many, many, many people from this church and other churches that I'm familiar with was was gathered together to have a very important uh, gathering, very important time of of worshiping the Lord. And Pastor, I knew in in this dream that this was a very, very important service that we were about to come together and have. And there was many, many people helping do the worship and practice. They, 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 they were practicing the worship team. And, and, and I'm not saying it, it was our worship team. There was just, it was just a cl- collaboration of all kinds of people I've met um, in, in church and know in church. And there was just different people from different churches uh, helping lead the worship. And practice was flawless. It was great. Everybody was excited about the service and we we go to go into the service and what begins to happen is there is disruption after disruption there is things that come in and disrupt the worship service and it it gets to the point that there are so many distractions and there's so many uh so many disruptions in the worship service that a minister in charge of the meeting comes to the platform and says, just forget about it. Just forget about it. We're just going to fellowship because we can't enter in and worship. And I I was awakened and it was early morning hours and, and the Lord began to speak to me just something very, very simple. It's not very profound or anything like that. But He began to just tell me that the reason you see people in the church not have joy, peace, or, or stability in their life, why you see many things going on into, in the church in America today is because the people of God are not coming into my presence. And they're not coming into my presence because their worship is being disrupted. You see, you do not get into the presence of God without worshiping God. And why is it so important to worship God and to get in the presence of God? Because when you're in the presence of God, we talk about it all the time, there's fullness of joy. There's peace that surpasses understanding. There's healing. There's vision. There's growth. There's maturity. There there is a washing away of your flesh. It is very important for the saints of God to be in the presence of God. It was so important for us to get into the presence of God that when Jesus said it is finished on the cross, 
that the veil was torn in the temple that separated people from the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is what that represents. It was so important that when Jesus said it was finished and that veil was torn, what he was saying is, now you have open access to the presence of God. It was that important that that veil had to be rent. But I'm going to read you just a few few verses here, beginning in verse 46, and you're going to say, well, you're talking about worship. This story has nothing to do with worship. But the Lord began to show show me this last night in prayer, and I I just began to write as fast as I could, and I, I believe God wants to speak to us tonight. Verse 46, And they came to Jericho, And as he went out of Jericho with his disciples and a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. But he cried the more, A great deal, thou son of David, have mercy on me. And Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called. And they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of good comfort, rise, he calleth thee. And casting away his garment, rose and came to Jesus. And Jesus answered and said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? And the blind man said unto him, Lord, that I, may, that I might receive my sight. And Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately, turn to your neighbor and say, right now, he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word. We thank you for the worship tonight. And God, I ask that we, we would be very, very attentive to what your word wants to speak to us tonight. And I ask that we would receive that word. And Lord, that we would bury it in our hearts and let it grow and nurture and let it apply, be, be applied in our lives. And we love you and we praise you for your word. In Jesus' name, And the church says, Amen. So as I was referencing earlier, worship is a big deal in the church. And let me just put this out here right from the get-go. Worship is not merely a song. Worship is not merely music. We, we say it all the time. We've said it multiple times in this house. I've referenced it multiple times. Sister Sarah's referenced it multiple times. Pastor's referenced it multiple times. Worship is not something you do. Worship needs to be who you are. We were created to worship God. That was our purpose. But I want you to realize that we have an adversary who also was created and his original purpose was to worship God. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel chapter 28 and verse 13 that, that, he, that God begins to, to, to lay out to him, uh, to lay out through Ezekiel really what, what the devil is like in a sense. And, and, and God begins to reveal through Ezekiel in verse 13. He says, 
Thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. The sardis, the topaz, the diamond, the beryl, the, the, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the emerald, uh, the, the carbuncle, the gold. And, and then it, catch this here. It says the workmanship, that word in the Hebrew means the ministry of the tabarine and of the pipes, which is a musical instrument as well, were prepared in thee. The day that thou wast created. He's talking about the devil. You see, we were created to worship God, but I want you to understand that the devil was also created to worship God and rebelled against God. So therefore, the enemy, I believe wholeheartedly, one of his main goals on this earth is to disrupt the believer's worship. The Bible tells us in John chapter, or in Matthew, excuse me, in Matthew chapter 4 and verse 9 and 10, this is Jesus in the wilderness, okay? Jesus is tempted three times of the devil, right? How many have heard this story? Raise your hand, all right? Class participation is very important, right, Cameron? And, and, and it's very important for me. I like to see your hands go up. But in Matthew chapter 4 and, and verse 9 and 10, this is the last temptation. And it says this, and the devil's talking to him, verse 9, and he says to Jesus, he saith unto him, all these things I will give thee if thou will fall down and worship me. If you will fall down and worship me. You see, because the first temptation, that the devil just, just tries to go after his flesh. And, and the second temptation, uh, he, he, he tries to tempt him another way. And, but the third temptation, the devil tells Jesus what he really wants. Uh, and he says, I want your worship. I mean, we're talking about Jesus, the Son of God, the Word made flesh. I mean, I, I want you to understand this. And the devil has the audacity to come to the Son of God and say, I want your worship. I want your worship. That's, that, that's how important it is for the adversary. It's because he knows if the people of God enter into worship and they get into the presence of God, then they're changed by the presence of God. And if they're changed by the presence of God, then they'll operate under the unction and the spirit of that presence. And their life and their communities and their homes will be forever changed all because they entered in with worship. Now, I promise I'm getting, I'm getting to our main text tonight, but I'm just trying to lay a little bit of a foundation. Jesus tells the woman at the well in John chapter 4, he tells her this. Uh, it says in verse 23 and 24, But the hour cometh and is now when, true, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Uh, Excuse me, for the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Many, many may ask, what does that mean? What, 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 what does it mean to worship in spirit and truth? And, and many, many people can define it many ways, but in prayer last night, the Lord presented it just very simply to me because he has to because I'm simple minded and, and, and God just laid it out. He said it's worship is when your spirit declares the truth. That's powerful. Worship 
Listen, worship is sacred. I I can praise the worship team for doing a good job. I can praise an athlete for being an MVP. I can praise men. I can give men praise and accolation. But listen, I can't give men worship. It's sacred. It's important. And, and, And how do I enter in and worship? How do I get to the presence of God? Worship is simply declaring the truth of God and His Word. This is what worship looks like. God, your Word says that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. God, you're the Alpha and the Omega. You're the beginning and the end. God, I thank you for your Son, Jesus. I thank you that He is the way, the truth, and the life. God, I thank you that your Word says that by your stripes I am here. What's your decree? Declaring is the truth. Your spirit uh, is declaring the truth of God, uh, which ushers you into the presence of God. Uh, And when you're ushered into the presence of God, uh, your life is changed uh, and altered. And then you find joy that you were lacking. Uh, You find peace that you were missing. Uh, You find strength uh, that you didn't have. uh, All because your spirit uh, declared the truth of God's word. So, so I, 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 this is where I, I want to tie in everything to our text tonight. Because God simply spoke to me just really, I got the title literally a few, about an hour and a half ago. And God wants our worship to be tamper proof. God wants our worship to be tamper proof. What does it mean to be tamper proof? Glad you asked. Well, you didn't ask, I asked, is rhetorical. Um, it, it means it, it's made or constructed in a way that cannot be interfered with or changed. It, it can't be messed with. Let me just make that real clear. It can't be messed with. God wants our worship to be tamper-proof. I, I work in the electrical field and, and I, I've worked in, in two states in that field and, and each state uh, can make up their mind what their codes will be. They can adopt certain years of the code. Code comes out every three years and they can adopt a certain code to enforce. But in, in, in Ohio, it's not this way in Indiana, but in Ohio, they're, they're super, super strict. You know, here, here in Indiana, Uncle Bob can hook you up. Uh, in Ohio, Uncle Bob can't hook you up, okay? Uh, you can get in big trouble for that, okay? Okay, uh, we're talking your house burns down and, and uh, listen, uh, Uncle Bob can't pay for it because you paid him and, and, and your insurance won't cover it because Uncle Bob did it, okay? Now, now it's a little different here in Indiana, thank God, that's all right. And in Ohio, they, they, they passed this, they adopted a, a certain national electric code and, and what it required is, Pastor, it required that in all new homes or new additions, uh, in, in every home and addition, there had to be 10 Tamper-proof outlets. Tamper-proof outlets. Why? Because they they discovered in their research that that many little children were dying because they were sticking like paper paper clips or or little little metal objects into the sockets and they were being shocked and and they were were dying and and they they made this safety feature called tamper-proof so that children cannot dig in there. It's a little plastic piece and and the receptacle, the outlet will only take uh, only take, uh, a cord that is 
plugged in properly, there has to be the exact same pressure applied on each side so, so it will take it and it will receive it. It won't take it any other way. You say, what does this have to do? Is it won't allow things, foreign things, things that shouldn't be there uh, to plug into its life. And we as Christians, uh, we, 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 we come in, service in and service out so Wednesday night, Sunday morning, and we have a hard time worshiping because we're allowing things to plug into our life uh, that were never meant to be there. It's hard to worship in spirit and in truth uh, when you haven't been listening to truth uh, all week long. It's hard to live uh, and feel and, and feed and, and nurture your spiritual man when you're not worshiping every day. You say worship every day? Yes. Uh, you shouldn't just worship on a Sunday morning. You shouldn't just worship on a Sunday night because worship, again, is more than a song. It is a lifestyle. I worship with my work. I worship with every email I send, every quote I send. I worship with every interaction over the counter where I work. I worship when I'm eating my food. Uh, I worship. Paul told the church in Corinthians uh, whether you eat or drink in 1 Corinthians 10 and 31, whether you eat or drink, do it unto the glory of God. Let me, let me just, just, just put this in here for you tonight. Whatever you do, eat or drink, uh, do it worshiping God. Uh, why? Uh, because your worship uh, allows your life uh, to be influenced by the presence of God uh, and again in the presence of God, uh, your life is changed and molded uh, and then people see the light of God because you're in the presence of God radiating off your life and they see that there's something different about you. That's what, that's what Paul is talking about when he says come out from among them and be there separate. Is when the people of God stay in worship. It's not just something they step in and out of but they stay in worship. They stay in the presence of God and their lives are different. They're separated from the world. Why? Because they have the peace they have the joy they have the power they have the light of God in their life they have the strength they have the, the ability to do the impossible all because they chose to live in worship so is our worship tamper proof what do we allow to plug into our lives day in and day out that keep us from worshiping God I want you to understand this. The children of Israel conquered Jericho, but right after Jericho, they couldn't beat a smaller army all because there was one person that allowed their life to be plugged into by the wrong things, by fleshly desires. And Achan took some gold, he took a garment, and it cost the children of Israel lives. It cost them people. Why? Because one person refused to live a life of worship. In dedication. So I, I'm, I'm, just, I, I'm just telling you this in love. You know this. That, 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 that one person in the house of God that allows their life to be plugged into by the things of this world can come in and ruin the atmosphere of a church service. Can ruin the atmosphere of your office. Can ru ruin the atmosphere of your schoolhouse. All because one person allowed something that wasn't supposed to be in their life tamper with their worship and all alter their worship uh, and now their heart ain't right, their spirit ain't right uh, so therefore their life ain't right uh, and their attitude ain't right uh, so therefore everything's out of whack all because they didn't tamper proof their worship. 
Worship's not a feeling. Just because you feel goosebumps doesn't mean it's worship. And just because you don't feel goosebumps doesn't mean that it's not. Worship is not based on what we feel. It's based on what we know. That's why Jesus said you worship in spirit and in truth. The truth is what you know. So when you, you, have a, you have a hard day and many in this house may have had a hard week and you find it hard to worship, but then you think of that verse, worship in spirit and in truth. Here's what I know. I know I may have a hard week, but I still know God's alive. I may have had a hard day, but I know he's still faithful. I may have lost a loved one, but I still know he's good. I may have been hurt by people, but I know he's a healer. I may be sick in my body, Body, but I know he's a deliverer. I may have sin in my life, but I know he's full of grace and mercy. I may have obstacles, but my God says he's still a mountain mover. I want you to know that it has so much to deal with our worship. We're not getting into the presence of God because we don't have tamper-proof worship. So here we go. Elbow your neighbor and say, here we go. Here's where Barnabas comes in. Barnabas is blind and a beggar. He's the low of the low. He's impaired. He's messed up. In those days, if you had a physical ailment such like that, you were nothing. There was nothing you could provide. You couldn't provide for a family. You couldn't provide for for anything. You couldn't even provide for yourself. And then he hears that Jesus is coming by. And all of a sudden, his demeanor changes. And he begins to cry out for Jesus. He says, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. But then something happens in verse 48. And many charged him that he should hold his peace. This is what's happening in the church today. Bartimaeus wants to be in the presence of the Son of God. He knows he needs Him. He realizes his need and he realizes uh, that he needs someone to meet his need. He needs a Savior. He needs a healer. He needs a deliverer. So he begins to cry out. That's what worship is. It is a cry out to God. And he begins to say, Jesus, thou son of David. He's saying again, I've said this many times from this platform. He's saying, Jesus, the son of God. That's, if you translate it, that's what he's saying. Jesus, the son of God, have mercy on me. You see, his spirit is declaring the truth. And this is what's happening. There came people that simply said, shut up. There came a crowd of people that began to charge him, okay? They began to forbid him. 
or this is a word that, that is used in modern culture today, they begin to censor him. Landon can tell you all about censorship. They begin to censor him. Now you, 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 now you can't do that. Now you can't act like that. You're, you're getting a little out of hand. And this is what's happening. And I'm just going to be very honest. This is what's happening in the Pentecostal church. Well, now, now, you, can't, now you can't act that way. You can't be excited like that. You, you, can't, you, know, you, you just can't get out of line. And what you don't even realize is you're allowing something to plug into your life to tell you that you can't worship, that you can't get a hold of God. You're allowing something in called doubt uh, and disruption to interrupt uh, you from entering into the presence of God uh, because you're worried about how it may look uh, or how it may sound uh, and the enemy is censoring the church. And he's saying, now, now, now listen, you can't act like that. Uh, you can't shout unto God with a, with a, with a voice of triumph. Uh, you can't praise and you can't worship in that manner. Uh, I, I, love, uh, I love the story of David when he danced before the Lord with all his might. Uh, his, his wife came up to him and she tried to censor him. She said, what are you doing? You look like a fool. You look like an idiot. You're a king. You're royal. You're supposed to be dignified. You're supposed to look a certain way. You're supposed to act a certain way way and he simply said but it was in the presence of the Lord where is the people of God that say I will worship no matter how it looks I will praise God no matter how you think about me you cannot censor my worship because I need to be in the presence of an almighty God so come to the music please I'm just going to wrap this up So they tried to charge him or censor him or forbid him. He said, now shut up. Turn to your neighbor and say, shut up. Now say it like you mean it. I know it's Wednesday and ain't hardly anybody here and you're afraid that people, see you're trying to censor you. Now I can't be that loud. Now turn to your neighbor like you're arguing and say, shut up. Lord have mercy. None of y'all get mad. None of you. None of you get mad and say, shut up. Oh, shut up. That's not how I say shut up. Shut up. Someone say it. Say shut up. There you go, Jimmy. Now, husbands, don't say this to your wife. Wives, don't say this to your husband. Because what happens is when you say it, the other one says it back. But they told him to shut up. See, this is this is this is what I want to really really focus in on here, is that that when Bartimaeus was censored, he got louder. Young people, I want you to know this, because you don't see this much in the church anymore. Is when is when things are hard. That's when you get louder. That's when you pray more. That's when you worship more. Listen, prayer and worship go hand in hand. I, I was telling Gloria and Sierra last night, I was telling them, listen, my, my prayer life, I pray, I pray, I pray. And then there's times I get distracted. I'll just be honest. There's times I get distracted. When I get distracted, I go back into worship. I, I just declare who God is. I thank Him for who He is uh, until I find myself back in prayer. And then if I ever get out of focus, I go back into worship. It, it, listen, what, what I'm saying is it, it doesn't matter what's trying to attach itself to my life. Uh, my worship and my prayer life is tamper-proof uh, 
because I may not feel like it. I may be tired. I may be exhausted. Uh, we may have stayed up last night. Me and Sierra very late. We had two girls crying and, and Ava was crying because she had a dream that someone came and stole her princess dresses and, and it was devastating for her. Uh, and, and it woke us up and we had a late night. But listen, I want you to know that my worship's not based on the night I had. Uh, my worship is based on the God I have. It's tamper-proof. I'm not saying I'm perfect. But worship is when you make up your mind that I'm going into the presence of God. And that's what Barnabas did. He's saying, listen, you can tell me to be quiet. You can tell me not to act that way. You can tell me not to get excited. You can tell me not to lift my hands. You can tell me not to cry out to God in this manner. You can tell me all these things. But you don't understand. I need to be in the presence of Jesus. And he got louder. I want the church to get louder. I'm not just talking physically. I'm saying that your life, uh, that you live in such a manner of worship uh, that it speaks louder than it ever has before. He got louder. Sister Mary, he got louder. He got louder. Remember, his, spirits, his spirit is declaring the truth. Jesus, the Son of God. Jesus, you're the Son of God. You're the Son of God. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. And Jesus stops. Sometimes the reason why God doesn't disrupt and come into our services is because our spirit isn't declaring the truth. We're worried about what's going on in our situations and in our lives. When, 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 when all of that would be taken care of if we would just get into the presence to the presence God I'm worried about this bill I need to pay no don't worry about the bill you need to pay just worry about entering into the presence of God and Jesus stopped he said you come to me Brother Chris, they said, listen, blind Mark Bass, he's asking you to come to him. Be of comfort. He's, he asked you to come to him. Here's what I want you to understand. Is that worship will lead you to a place where you can come closer to God. But I want you to notice what blind Barmaeus did here. Is he shedded his outer garment. Because if you want to get more intimate, more close to God, some things are going to have to come off your life. And those things are hard to shake. But you see, why, why was it so easy for him to take off his outer garment? It's because he was desperate. I don't know if you've watched the news, but I think it's about high time that the church got desperate. I'm just to be honest with you. I'm, I'm not here to play. Any, I'm not here to play games and talk in all kinds of Christianese and use all kinds of uh, fancy language, brother Wade. I'm past that. I'm not here because I'm supposed to be. I'm here because I want to be. It's not duty. It's love. I don't. I, I, I don't serve my wife because it's my duty. She, I love her. I made a commitment to her. 
shed that outer garment because you see, he couldn't see. You see, he couldn't see. And we have a church in this nation that has no vision. There's, we just, the churches, I'll just be honest with you, the churches in America, many churches, and I'm not saying this church, but many churches in, in America, we've just become a, a bank. We just money in, money out, money in, money out. People mean money. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. There's a lot of churches that way. They're not doing anything for the kingdom of God. They're not going on missions like this church is. They're not reaching out to people like this church is. There's a lot of churches that don't do that. It's just a bank. And it's because we're not entering into the presence of God. And that's because we're not worshiping. And Blind Bartimaeus, he had no vision. He, he couldn't live his life for himself. It just, he was stuck begging. And the church is stuck begging for God to move. And, but he passes by and passes by and we're not desperate enough to reach out with our worship and get in his presence. Stand with me across this house. takes off that outer garment and he goes to Jesus again because he's desperate and he's healed I believe God wants to heal this church the church of this nation and I believe he wants to heal people in this church tonight I know it's a small crowd but that, that don't mean nothing it's 120 and changed the world desperate to get into the presence of God so he can begin to heal and then he can begin to move in our life you see worship is how we enter into his presence and when we enter into his presence there's power in his presence and if there's power in his presence that means that the glory of God will fall and where the glory of God is, there's a manifestation. Glory is visible. It's a manifestation. It's seen. But it all starts with worship. And the enemy has disrupted and disrupted. But God is looking for a bride that is tamper-proof. I'm not allowing just anything to plug into this life. I'm going to worship in spirit and in truth. I'm not going to believe the lies. I'm going to end with this. We're going to pray. If you want to see a worshiping life, not just someone that worshiped occasionally, a worshiping life, I believe they're, they're the perfect example for us because this man was just human. He made mistakes, but he constantly came back to worship and it was David. Psalms chapter 3 
In Psalms chapter 3, he's, he's running from his son. His son seeks his life. And, and that's where he, he writes the, this famous psalm. And he says, I cried unto the Lord with my voice and he heard me. Out of his holy hill. I laid my head down to sleep and I awake and the Lord sustained me. Constantly. He's running for his life. And he's still worshiping God. The theologians believe that, that David wrote Psalms 23 later on in his life uh, and he was looking back on his life and, and he could say this in Psalms 23 that yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death yea though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death I will fear no evil he's saying I've been through I've been through terrible things but I fear no evil because you're with me your rod and your staff they comfort me you prepare the table before me in the presence of my enemies, but you've anointed my head with oil. And my cup overrunneth. The Bible tells us that in, in Psalms 30, David is dedicating his new home to God. And he says this, he says, Thou hast turned my mourning into dancing. He's constantly, no matter what life is bringing, he's praising God. He's running for his life. In Psalms 34, he goes to Gath and he's acting like a fool in front of the king. And he writes this in Psalms 34. He says, I will bless the Lord at all times. He's running for his life. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My, my soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The, the humble shall see and hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Even when he made mistakes with Bathsheba, he was confronted by Nathan. The Bible says this in Psalms 51. He says this in verse 14. Deliver me from my blood guiltness. O God, thou God of my salvation, and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. What he's saying is, God, I'm wrong. Forgive me. I want to worship you. All throughout his life. All throughout his life. The Bible tells us in Psalms 56, he's been taken by the Philistines and he says, Thy vows are upon me, O God, I will render praise unto thee. For thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? It didn't matter what happened. Brother Chris, it was just worship. I'm going to worship. I made a mistake. I'm going to God. I'm going to ask for forgiveness. I'm going to worship. My life's falling apart. My son wants to kill me. I have a bad relationship with my son. I'm going to worship. God didn't move the way I thought he was going to. Anybody ever been there? God has moved in ways that you didn't think he would move. Uh, me and my wife have been there. But yet we decided that we were going to hold on to each other because God brought us together and we were just going to worship. Absolutely. It's about worship. So I want to ask you to come to these altars tonight. Whether you want to stand, whether you want to kneel. But I ask you to worship and enter into prayer. Declare who He is. Because I, if we're not getting into the presence of God and we're not worshiping Him, what are we doing? So I ask you to come. These altars are open tonight. 
Hello everybody, we just want to come to you today and say thank you so much for taking some time to watch us. Um, we hope that this message was encouraging and a blessing to you. Um, feel free to private message us and follow us on all social media platforms that will be listed below. Thank you guys and have a great day. Thank you.